morning everybody how are you all this morning i hope you are well um good morning breakthrough family good morning to all of our virtual friends and uh, i'm praying praying for you this morning i'm praying for uh, peace in your hearts uh for joy in your spirits and uh and for safety that you would keep well and safe in these times so <laughs> We were hoping to meet, weren't we? We wanted to be together this morning, and uh, for those of us in in Bloemfontein, I reach out to you. I can't touch you, and even if I could see you, I couldn't touch you according to the regulations. So uh, we are we're sorry for these restrictions uh, that are really preventing the church from being ch- church in its meetings. Obviously, we're church now. We're church. Um, all over the world, uh, nothing stops the church. Uh, but we're in a time where uh, coming together is difficult. Having said that, if you're in emotional or spiritual need of company, <laughs> just uh, just call out. If you uh, need physical help with anything around the house or um, you know care, then call out and and let's be. <sighs> Let's be community. Let's keep communicating between ourselves. Keep looking out for each other. Uh, try and kick off a chat with a few people every week, uh, and to keep in touch uh, and be family. Be be the church. So this word this morning, um, I've had it on my heart for <laughs> for a number of weeks, and uh, it was rather overtaken by the need to address the COVID nineteen virus last time I spoke. Um, but this time we're going to go for it, uh, and we're in Philippians and chapter two, and um, the first four verses are so verse one to four, and the title of uh, my preach is "Our Spirit of Unity," and uh, we'll get to that in a minute. So it's Philippians chapter two, and from verse one, and I'm reading from the NIV this morning. Therefore. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Sorry, lost my place. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So, um, a few weeks back, uh, we we were having an encounter night. Uh, and you will, those of us from Bloemfontein will remember those our Tuesday nights together uh, in the spirit. And uh, Eno said something quite profound. Hi, Eno. Good to see you, my friend. He said um, something like, who we are is not dictated by the colour of our skin, but by the culture of our family. Uh, A black person brought up in an Afrikaans family would be Afrikaans. An in a Sasutu-speaking family would be Basutu. It got me thinking... Uh, as a Christian family or church or house, we should be bringing each other up 
and building a, a kingdom culture. And, uh, and these verses that we're looking at are, are part of that. They describe what that would look like. They help us to understand uh, who the church is supposed to be. So let's look at verse 1. And I'm going to read it again. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. And while the verse is finished there, you can get the sense that actually there's more to be said. It's continuing. Um, We do need to look at our translations critically. The original texts were inspired uh, and some of our translations less so. Well, all of our translations less so. Um, The NIV uh, is sometimes jokingly known as as the nearly inspired version. And uh, this, uh, this verse uses the term, if any. It says, if any. And uh, it could be translated since. So I'm going to read the, the verse like that. So since you have encouragement from being united with Christ, since comfort from his love, since common sharing in the spirit, since tenderness and compassion. Or we could use the word because. Because you have encouragement from being united with Christ. Because you have comfort from his love. Because a common sharing in the spirit. Because of tenderness and compassion. You see, the words, if any, they sound more like a challenge. Uh, We could say, are you united with Christ? (laughs) But he's writing to the church here. He's writing to the church in Philippi. So it could be translated since. uh, Since you are united with Christ. It's, It's softer, more uplifting, more empowering. And Christians are united with Christ. That is positionally true. Uh, in Ephesians 2 and verse 6, And God raised, raised us up with him in Christ, and seated up with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So we are, we're there. We're, we're with him. Uh, but this morning, now, we may not all be spirit-filled born-again Christians that are watching. So if you are already united with Christ, then my preach will make sense. Uh, And if not, (laughs) sorry, it may not make any sense whatsoever. So my prayer is that you would be united with Christ. And if you're not already, my heart is that you would be this morning, you'd be united with Christ. So what is verse 1 actually saying to us? I think there's two elements to it. The first thing is we look up. Uh, We're looking at Jesus, we're looking at God, and then we look around, we're looking uh, to each other, we're looking at each other. So let's look up first. Previously, I've spoken about encouraging each other, uh, and here, again, this is all about encouragement, but, but it's encouragement from being united with Christ. Are you, yourself, united with Christ as a, as a Christian? Are you? I mean, you are, but are you? <laughs> um, have you been baptised in the Holy Spirit or received the Holy Spirit? Do you keep on keeping on being filled, topped up with the Holy Spirit? Are you and Jesus one? Uh, we're 
designed to be one with Jesus. And Charles spoke about this last week, so if you didn't hear the message last week, go back and listen to it again. How about comfort at being loved by him? It should be very comforting to know that we are loved by Jesus. (laughs) He is God, and sometimes we can be overwhelmed by this. But there's a story in John 8 that uh, wonderfully pictures this love for us. Uh, Jesus is restoring the woman caught in adultery. Uh, And Charles has encouraged us to see this as a fatherly thing, as Father God in Jesus restoring his daughter. It's a love thing. And she, she was overwhelmed by this love. You see, the law, the law dictated that she was stoned to death. And his love demanded that she is restored. Uh, and I feel that, uh, that God wants me to, to pause here, if you like, in the flow of Philippians and just throw out a challenge to us. Uh, I want to say this very clearly. The law is a test. It's a test for the law enforcer as much as it is a test for the lawbreaker. I'll repeat that for you. The law is a test as much for the law enforcer as it is for the lawbreaker. And unfortunately, some of our police here in South America and in in uh, in South Africa, <laughs> where am I? In South Africa and in America, are rather proving my point for me. Had we been alive back then, uh, in this this story in John eight, would we have wanted to stone the woman? Would we have felt that that was the righteous course of action? That was what the law required. Hopefully. The words of Jesus would have impacted us as well. He who is without sin, throw the first stone. So how do we respond to others who are in sin? Do we judge people for breaking our rules? The rules that um, we've added around the word of God, if you like. The rules in our culture. Uh, the rules in our situations. How how do we lead? How do we parent? Are you a teacher, a police officer, a boss, a farmer? Do you have rules for others to follow? <laughs> and how how do you enforce or encourage people to follow those rules? Do you look? Do we? Do we look like Jesus when we do this? Or do we look more like a Pharisee? Our receiving his love, the Father's love, should determine how we love others. Imagine being loved by someone, someone from John 8, who will not condemn you. (laughs) Imagine that. Someone loves you that will not condemn you. (laughs) And his name is Jesus. And, and and my question is, are we like him? <laughs> Do we look like his his kids, his brothers, his sisters? And during this pandemic, 
we we can be very critical and and judgmental and there's much going on in the press and social media uh, and sometimes it pains me we we judge people for for making mistakes for being fearful for taking risks how do we respond to people do we respond with death stone him or with life restore him knowing that you're loved knowing you're loved by Jesus changes you and it changes your response it changes how you are with other people and we're still in verse 1 and um, we're sort of moving to looking at looking at the spirit it says a common sharing in the spirit and obviously it's talking about the Holy Spirit here and um, the word uses uh, the term having everything in common somewhere else Acts 4 and verse 32 and everything is everything you see it's not limited to monetary things we are of one spirit we share one word we have similar values uh, we have a common sharing if you like in within the kingdom and because of that common sharing and particularly the common sharing of the Holy Spirit this breeds our culture our culture of tenderness and compassion both for each other within the body of Christ but also for those we meet those that we come across in the world so the let let's look at tenderness and compassion I'm going to ask some questions of you um, so do you feel tenderness and compassion for the Christians you are you are close to probably the answer there's yes <laughs> mainly mostly occasionally um, what about the people you work with or that work for you uh, for your family your extended family those those that aren't following Jesus my brother Ian if you're watching I doubt it but you, I know you're out there for your neighbors how about other drivers on the road Nigel mm, yeah people who don't get healed when you pray for them do you, do you have tenderness and compassion and what about that guy last week who brought 30,000 rands worth of booze on the first day he could after the lockdown was lifted. Do you have tenderness and compassion for him and presumably his headache? Or, <laughs> or are you thinking, well, so you're right. What about the militant Muslim or Hindu? Do you have tenderness and compassion for them? <laughs> so we're, we're called. It's part of our calling to have tenderness and compassion yeah towards the community at large towards the woman caught in adultery uh, the black man meeting the wrong policeman it should be so much easier within the body because sharing a common spirit helps to build unity in the body and that resulting in tenderness and compassion which helps us to build unity within the body with whom we share Christ so one spirit 
equals tenderness and compassion, and tenderness and compassion equals one spirit. They, they build one upon the other. One spirit, tenderness and compassion. One spirit, tenderness and compassion. They build together. And, uh, and in addition, having tenderness and compassion, as I've said, it defends us from being harsh and judgmental towards those who are different from us. Maybe a different skin colour, maybe uh, different political views, different economic circumstances. Um, we can be tender and compassionate towards them. So verse 1 then, we are united with and loved by Jesus. We share his spirit and because of all that, it makes us compassionate. How about verse 2? I'll read it again. Then make my joy complete. You see it, it's coming out of verse 1. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So verse 2 encourages unity with others within the body. Given our intimacy with Jesus, with the spirit that we see in verse 1, that helps us to build well with the other believers. And we see, we see joy here. Uh, I've spoken about Jesus' joy before. This time it's Paul's joy. He says, make my joy complete. You see, he already had joy <laughs> because he was born again. He was saved. And he'd seen the, this church established and the believers born again uh, the believers coming into salvation in Philippi. But to make his joy complete, he wanted them to come into unity. You see, unity is a fruit that demonstrates true repentance and salvation. So this morning, please make my joy complete. Maybe make Charles' joy complete. You see, this verse has three positives and then verses three and four have three negatives uh, so three things that build and three things that break down our sense of community our sense of oneness our unity so i want to look at the positives first and the first one is being like-minded uh, of one mind hang on so it says, be like-minded and of one mind. What, is, what does that even mean? <laughs> it means both. Um, like many Bible statements, it requires faith. There isn't, oh, you must just have the same thoughts. Yes, you, you should start to grow together in the way that you think. But you have the same mind. You have the mind of Christ as it says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 16. But it also says, prepare our minds for action in 1 Peter 1. And in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, it says, take every thought captive. So there's stuff going on in our minds and with our minds. As, as we mature as Christians, as we build together as individuals and collectively, we work with our minds. We apply faith and the word of God to our lives. 
we have biblical values, we're led by the Holy Spirit, and we need to lay down some of our cultural values. You see, it's relatively easy to be united around uh, a sports team. You know, Liverpool, I don't know how many uh, African Liverpool football club supporters there are. There's probably more supporters of Liverpool in Africa than there is in the UK. Um, it's easy. You see the colours, you see the flags, you sing the anthems, uh, you get excited about the matches, and and you build together, and you can meet people from all around the, the world who can kick off a conversation about their club and about uh, the players and uh, you know the successes and where they are in the cup. A nation or a tribe can unify around their identity. A company can build a culture around a common interest. Environmental groups, well, they they have this passion, this this desire uh, that brings them together. Uh, what about Land Rover owners clubs? Yeah, Charles. Yeah, they can, they can build a culture around a common, a common interest, a common love. But the church, <laughs> in a perfect world, there would be one church in Bloemfontein. Yes, with many venues, but fully united, rich and poor, black and white, Susutu, Afrikaans, English-speaking, citizens and foreigners, male and female old and young. We're not really seeing this right now. And uh, in chapter 1 of Philippians, Paul talks about building the church and contending for the truth. The truth in love we understand, but the truth anyway. And sometimes, sadly, we have to leave some people behind for genuine unity to be established with people of goodwill. Some will always be racist. Some will never drop traditions that go against the word of God. Some, as we see later on, are just selfish. <laughs> so you will have heard the joke, an Englishman, a Scotsman and an Irishman walk into a bar. Well, sadly, in equally common is an Englishman or a Scotsman or an Irishman walk out of a church because of some disagreement. And yet Jesus, he prayed for us. He prayed for unity. Uh, this prayer is in John 17 from verse 20. And I would just like to pause for a moment and pray for us. I would, I would like to pray over us as a body. Uh, whether you're part of Breakthrough or, or you're a friend from overseas or you um, are just happened upon this video I want to pray for the Christians to come into unity so if it's okay could you just raise your hands as I pray for us just ask God into your heart in this moment for this prayer That's John 17 from verse 20 my prayer is not for them alone I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father. 
just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You see, my heart, and hopefully yours, is for the church to come together in this time. Revival will come through the church and through the church uniting around that call, that kingdom call. So one church in the Northridge area, one church in Vilkahof, one church in Maseru, in Lesotho, one church wherever you are. Then the second point, having the same love. John thirteen thirty five says, we'll be known by our love for one another. And love is practical, it's serving, it's, it's not simply an emotion. There's emotion involved, but it's not simply an emotion. The world will not know of our love for each other unless we demonstrate it. Love breeds action. The, uh, the same love means a love that's generated by our connection to Christ and each other through the Holy Spirit. Back in March, there was uh, uh, an article in Global News about an Italian priest. And uh, he made the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, Father Don Giuseppe, had, he'd been given a respirator. His, the members of his church had seen that he'd got sick uh, and they clubbed together and they bought a respirator for him when he got the COVID-19 virus. And he gave this respirator away to be used by a younger person. Uh, and he died as a result. Uh, and that's love in action, that's preferring others. It's the sort of love that Jesus displayed. Uh, we're not all going to be called to die for love. But we are all going to be called to sacrifice for love. And then thirdly, being one in spirit. And this is repeating verse 1 if you like um, but verse 1 was more about being with united with Christ through his spirit here it's broadening out and it's talking about us coming together and being united together through his spirit the Bible talks about different gifts and talents but the one in the same spirit uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 4 God is spirit and we each have a spirit and they connect to God through his spirit, the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4, 3 to 6, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Well, a little bit of a dispute about that sometimes. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all in all the reason i uh, i gave the title our spirit of unity is to this preach is because unity already exists 
If we have the same faith as one another, we have unity. Now the challenge is keeping it, uh, or maintaining it, as another translation tells us. <clears throat> and ESCOM, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm talking about ESCOM again, our failing power producer, they could tell us that maintenance is hard work. <laughs> but it's not as much hard work as a lack of maintenance as we now see. A lack of maintenance at the, at the core requires more from the many. So many of us have invested in solar panels or generators, maybe simply gas stoves and UPSs. We're charging batteries, we're chopping wood. Because maintenance at the centre, maintenance coming out from the centre, has been lacking. So verse 1 encourages us into an intimate relationship with Jesus. It asks the question, are you united with Christ? And it calls us to compassion. It says, have you tenderness and compassion? Well, verse 2 starts to focus in on the body and say, let's maintain one mind, one love, and one spirit. So if we go to verse 3 and 4, verse 3 and 4, um, they show us some negatives, but they also give us a vaccine for those negatives. Now we'd love a vaccine for COVID-19, and, and I'm praying for our scientists that they're able to develop one. But God already has a vaccine for our lives. So let's read on. Verse 3 then. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. Now we're starting to get very practical. Up until now, it's been about relationships, it's been about love, it's been about connecting to the Spirit. And now we see the, the walls that get between us. It requires us to look at our own heart motive. But let us remember the heart is deceitful, as it says in Jeremiah 17:9. So it's, it's often a challenge to see our own sin. If we look at the example of, of this policeman with his knee on the neck of the alleged criminal that he had apprehended, he probably felt very good, very righteous at that point. But why did he need, feel the need to do that to an un, unarmed and already restrained man? Or racism? The man's life didn't matter to him at all. And so he hadn't even considered his safety, I would imagine. He's just getting on with doing what he feels he should be doing. So we have to pray for him as well that he would see his sin, his failure, and for his colleagues that would recognize that we're tired. We're tired of abuses of power, whether it's in South Africa, uh, whether it's in America, wherever it is, we're tired of abuses of power. Whatever motivates it, whether it's racism or greed, Whatever it is, we're, we're tired. 
So back to the Bible before I rant too much. Um, there, I just mentioned there are three negatives. And the first one is selfish ambition. Me, I, and myself. The unholy trinity. So often we can be consumed by our own needs and desires that we fail to even understand the negative impact that, that these can have on other people. Who do I ignore or crush? Who gets in the way of me getting to the top in my finances, in my relationships, my career, my sport? And then there's, there's vain conceit. And that's often the motive for selfish ambition. It's vain conceit. Vain like vanity. My image. How uh, I've given in today. You'll see I've got a bookcase behind me. So many of the blog vlogs and uh, posts I've seen. People are sitting or standing in front of bookcases. Uh, And to be honest, they're better than the blank wall I was, uh, was in front of last time. Um, <laughs> I even saw one post where the guy had uh, a piece of paper stuck to the wall that said awaiting bookcase anyway, all joking aside my image is is irrelevant in this so vanity is about image and conceit is about pride, my position I earned this the flash suit the smart car the smartphone, the holiday in Barbados or wherever it is. It breeds arrogance. I have my rights. I need to maintain and build my image and my position to be the best, whether it's the best looking, the best at what I do, my needs come first. Um, Or maybe there's some insecurity there and, and it's insecurity that drives me to compete with or crush others. And finally, there's self-interest. That's the biggie. It's our natural state, being competitive, harsh, domineering, battling, the survival of the fittest, if you like. Uh, Often it's subconscious, um, maybe manipulative, uh, and often secretive but bubbling away just under the surface is me, 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 me. And um, we need to deal with me. (laughs) I need to deal with me before I can help you. Jesus spoke about the plank in the eye of the person trying to help someone with a speck in their eye. So selfish ambition, vain conceit, self-interest. These are the viruses that are defeating uh, unity in the church. But what is the cure or the vaccine? I would say it's humility. But we can misunderstand humility. You see, you are only humble if you have a choice. You have to know that you are royalty. To be truly humble. You have to believe that we are part of God's family. That we are princes and princesses in the kingdom of God. And choose not to take advantage of that. To be truly humble. 
we can we can take advantage of um, our standing, and we need to lay that down if we're to be truly humble. You see, Christ in the next section of Philippians, Philippians two five to eleven, he is our model, where he he acknowledged who he was. He was God. He is God, and yet he laid that down for us. So someone with low self-esteem is not being humble. And false humility also comes from a religious spirit or uh, a poverty mentality, um, an orphan spirit. We, we look good on the outside, but on the inside we can be boiling with outright, out, uh, unrighteous judgment of everybody else. Humility requires us to have a right understanding of ourselves, who we are. Uh, and this is from Romans 12 and verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, according with, according with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. So it's not, think of yourself, push yourself down. Yes, sober judgment, but also faith. So it's about understanding who we are and living out who we are. Not trying to be someone different, not trying to be that latest prophet or that worship leader or great preacher but being ourselves, understanding who we are and being no more or no less than that. But humility requires we value others before ourselves. So the key is to put the needs and desires of others before your own. Uh, in a family, uh, for a father uh, paying for his, his daughter's education, uh, for a husband working long hours to to fulfill the demands of family life we put the needs and desires of others before ourselves in breakthrough we we want to have a culture of honor and this requires us to value and honor other people's gifts and calling above our own we're not competitive but cooperative and we seek each other's success Humility requires we put other people's interests before our own. And this is the big one in the West. We're so individualistic. Uh, our education, our sporting and corporate structures encourage us to put our own interests first, to fight for that grade mark, that sporting victory or next job opportunity. So how do we compete as Christians? You know, we're not asked to be doormats. But are we riding over others? Or can we give way to them for God's glory? So verses 3 and 4, they call us to be humble, to prefer others. And sometimes we're not very good at this. <laughs> the most antagonistic Christians and churches are likely to be those deceived either by power or by law. There can often be no love and no genuine spirit. They will name 
the Holy Spirit. They will focus on his power, but do they love? Or they're so focused on the word of God and uh, the demands of its law that there's no love and no spirit. We have to be so careful as the church. How about this for an encouraging verse? Galatians 5.15 If you bite and devour each other, watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. And this is, this is what's happening in the States at the moment. There's a, a, an oppression from the police and resulting protests. And they're destructive. You can understand the protests. But this combination of oppression and protest, we've seen this here in South Africa. It's destructive. And God builds a way out. He rescues us. He gives us a way through, out from under these temptations. Rick Warren says, True humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. So where is your focus this morning? Is it on you? Me, me, me? Or are you focused on the needs? Are you focused on your love of other people? A question that is in my heart and maybe yours is, well, how do we maintain unity? And I would suggest that the key word is being. Being in comfort in Christ, the being in unity, the being in love, the being in the spirit, a focus on being with Christ and being with each other will deal most effectively with the three evils of selfish ambition, vain conceit, self-interest. You see, our humility and our preferring others, our doing, can only come out of our being. We learn to sit with Jesus before we can stand for Jesus. We grow in love and unity for our brothers and sisters before we can stand beside them or stand aside for them. We have compassion for our neighbour before we can put their interests first. So my message this morning is a call for intimacy before it's a call for unity as this passage suggests that one follows the other and I'm going to try something here um, so it talks about one following the other and my illustration is a Land Rover but the Land Rover is tying a trailer and the is following the Land Rover yeah so the Land Rover is intimacy and the trailer is unity the trailer follows the Land Rover if we have intimacy with God and with each other we will have unity without intimacy unity becomes very very difficult you see we can watch videos from all around the world and 
yeah, we can feel compassion, we can feel anger. But unless we're in relationship with people, with people like us and people who are not like us, unless we, we can express love, our anger goes nowhere, achieves nothing. So, back to COVID-19 for a moment. How do we respond as we come out of lockdown? And maybe we're going to be able to, to meet. Uh, maybe at some point we'll be able to hug. How do we respond as we come out of lockdown and we see these regulations easing? Well, firstly, we have tenderness and compassion for people impacted by the virus or by the lockdown, the economic consequences of the lockdown. Um, and for those who, who are responding to uh, conspiracy theories and, and hype uh, and the media, we have tenderness and compassion for them. We recognize that their fear is genuine. We're gracious towards those making decisions on our behalf in the light of a situation that none of us have faced uh, in living memory. We've never been here before. There is no known way to handle this. So we're trying things out. We're testing. We're learning from others. And we respond in a way that puts the interests of others first. You see, the lockdown wasn't about me not getting sick. It was about reducing the risk of infection while the health services get ready to support us once we're sick. Um, you look out for those who are isolated, for those who are at risk, uh, such as the frail elderly. You protect yourself and your family. But lastly, and this, this is for the church, we keep that unity of purpose at the front of our minds the kingdom, the gospel, we carry a message into the pandemic. Even if we're stuck at home, um, use every opportunity to speak life, to speak hope to those around you, uh, to those that you work with, to people that serve you. Um, we're struggling with rubbish collection at the moment around us. There's nothing happened for two weeks. So what am I going to do when the guys pitch? Am I going to shout at them? Hopefully not. No. Maybe I'll help them load the bags. <laughs> Who knows? We carry a message of hope in a time of trouble. Now I want, I want to look to you guys. I've challenged you on some things. Uh, maybe, maybe some of what I've said has caused offence uh, and I'm truly sorry if that's the case but I'm truly grateful that the Holy Spirit is busy this morning and he's at work seeking to change each one of us so let's look into our hearts let's um, <laughs> seek God for the new for intimacy and uh, for unity and as I was praying this morning um, I saw and maybe they're types of people maybe they're individuals but I saw three struggles that impact this 
and particularly impact uh, unity across uh, racial boundaries, if you like. So one was, um, there's been a lot uh, in the press about farm murders. Uh, and we can look at the statistics and say, okay, but you know, there's, there are not as many farm murders as township murders. But there's a genuine fear and there's anger involved in this. And so if you've been touched by farm murders or you're just angry because of uh, all that you see in the press, um, please know God loves you. And he, he wants the best for you and he wants to heal you. Maybe there's heartache in, in your family story. Um, going back over years, maybe... Uh, your grandparents told stories of uh, of abuse, of um, control, of fear, of death. And you struggle because of that. And again, God loves you. And he wants to heal you. And he wants to lift the burden of your family history off you and bring you to a place of freedom. And then for some of us, there are almost daily um, situations where, where we encounter uh, difficult relationships, uh, racism, uh, power struggles uh, in the workplace, in business, and, uh, and God loves you. <laughs> and uh, he wants to heal you as well. He wants you to be able to stand for him in love in those difficult places and in those difficult relationships and where people are abusive he wants you to be able to respond with the other spirit and he knows you can't do that on your own whether it's because of farm murders maybe because of the heartache of family stories maybe you're confronted by uh, racism or some other ism every day, sexism. Um, and he's asking you to let go of that. Not to forget, but to take its power away from your heart and to receive his love and to receive his healing this morning. I appeal to you, this is 1 Corinthians 1.10, Brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Let's pray. If you're with someone... Just grab hold of their hands. Yeah, social distancing doesn't apply if you live in the same house. Just grab hold of their, their hands and pray together. Pray where you are and with whom you're with. If you're on your own, I'm shut in, in a back room on my own. The Holy Spirit is with you. Jesus is interceding for you even now. Let's pray for this, this being, this abiding, this 
uniting, this intimacy. And let's seek forgiveness if you've not been doing in the light of that being. If you've been hateful or hurtful in your responses to others, um, seek forgiveness. Firstly, seek forgiveness of God, but you may also need to seek forgiveness. Husband of wife, wife of husband, parent of child, child of parent, siblings, colleagues, whoever it is, seek forgiveness and know that you are loved. Know that the Holy Spirit is available to restore and heal. If you're not a spirit-filled, born-again Christian this morning and you have questions and you want to know more, please message us. Please get in touch. Um, well, I could lead you in a prayer, but I, I want to engage. We've been talking about intimacy. We want to engage with you. We want to love you. Leading you in a prayer and ticking a box isn't that. So I'm going to close now. Uh, and I'm going to close with just a brief prayer. Um, but uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for being with us. Uh, thank you for being part of us in this season of, of, uh, of lockdown. And let's pray for the church as it meets today and as um, we break out of lockdown that we would do so wisely uh, in faith and together thank you Jesus for your love and good news bless each one of us in this time of trouble keep us close to you and close together in our spirit of unity Amen. God bless you all and see you on the other side.